We had an amazing time in Israel. It was an absolutely life-changing trip. We took uh, a number of people, and we were there for about 10 days, and it was just a, a great time. We're going back next December after Christmas, so already I think most of the people are going to sign up again. So if I'm you, I would sign up because two things happen in Israel. Number one, the Bible comes alive. There's no place like the Holy Land. Secondly, the bonding is really something you, you can't even put in words. And it's interesting how Israel has definitely gone to the next level because the last time I was there was like 19 years ago. And, and the infrastructure now is, is better. The hotels are better. The food is better. It's just a hip place on top of that. So I would highly recommend it. Now, some of you I know are fearful of that flight. It's a long flight. It, you know, takes, I don't know, 14 hours, and you can break it up, which Lisa and I did. And speaking of that flight, I found myself, before boarding this 777, I was, I was saying to myself, you know, I need, some, I need some headphones, because I like to listen to music, and my, my beats, you know, Dr. Dre, they're, they, I don't know what happened. I need to write Dre, give him a text. They just, they just aren't working. So I thought, well, I'm going to buy some headphones, you know, Bluetooth headphones, so I can listen to my music on the flight. So I'm with Lisa, and, and we're getting ready to board, so I thought, I'll just buy her some too. So she doesn't like music like I do, but I decided, okay, to splurge. And I'm like, okay, here's some for you. Matching headphones. Is that sexy? Mine were, were dark blue, almost midnight blue. Hers were black. So the guy in the store was kind enough to, to pair them to our phones and to sync them up. So I made sure I could, you know, listen to the music and so could Lisa and, you know, awesome. So we board the flight and quickly, when I could, you know, when the flight attendant said it was okay, when the captain said, all right, you can use all your devices, I took out the headphones, and sure enough, they were paired, they were synced up, and found my app, Spotify, and I'm not boring you, am I? I just started listening to music, and I just love listening to music. I love music, all types of music, and sometimes when I'm flying, I'll just listen to music and just think. I'm really a big proponent of thinking, and music, I think, helps creativity, and I'm just thinking and praying and like looking forward to the trip, just listening to music. And we made it. We landed in Tel Aviv and we had a great time. Huh. Really, Ed. So you just wasted five minutes of my time telling me about these headphones that you bought, matching ones at that, and you're telling me that you used them and they worked. That's what I'm telling you. Because these are the new Bose, you know, headphones. They don't have the bass like the, the Beats, but I, I like the Bose better. They're, they're noise-canceling headphones. And I've used them a lot already. I just, I just thought I would tell you that. We do like to use things, don't we? I mean, those headphones are not there just for me to look at. They're there for me to use. 
Have you ever looked at someone and said to yourself, wow, why her? Why him? Have you ever said that? Maybe you're a lady and you have a friend and she's 5'8", wears a size 6, and her favorite food is donuts and she never works out, and you're like, why her? <laughs> or maybe you have a friend, guys, and he doesn't work half as hard as you. He's not that smart, yet he just receives a windfall in this business deal. It's a seven-figure one, and you're like, why him? That's interesting. We've all said that. I've said that. Why her? Why her? She married him and she travels there. Why her? Why not me? Why him? He looks like that. and I mean, the guy's average looking and look who he's dating. Why him? You know, why? Why? Why is he... 6'8", 225 pounds with 3% body fat and has a 40-inch vertical jump, and I'm a 5'6", overweight, overweight, that's true. That's, that's one of the funniest things I've said in a long time. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> Please, um, yeah, thank you. Preach it, white boy. Please put that on my social media <laughs> account, please. Oh, where was I? You're an overweight, small, white guy that you know, has maybe a uh, eight-inch vertical jump. So, I mean, and you say, why him? You know what I'm saying to you? Why him? And, and those, are, those are common questions. Well, if you take a step back and consider Christmas, because we're talking about this nativity scene. If you think about Christmas, the incarnation, when God became flesh and dwelt among us, God could have chosen at that time millions of birth mothers. He chose a poor peasant Jewish teenager from the wrong side of the tracks as the birth mother of Jesus Christ, I've got to say, why her? Have you ever thought about that? Why Mary? Now, some of you are like, oh, Mary, oh, Mother Mary. There, there are millions of Hail Marys said every day and, and, and girls are named after Mary. You do the research and she's uh, the historical figure where, 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 where most people get her name from and name their daughters Mary. And, and the Beatles sang about Lady Madonna and let it be. And, and Mary, wow, we should worship Mary. Wasn't Mary sinless because she birthed the, the, the sinless Savior? So some people magnify Mary. Others just kind of toss her aside. But even if we magnify her, and I'm going to talk about that, or if we minimize her, 
Why Mary? Galilean girl from Nazareth. We saw Nazareth. Nazareth was a place that the Judeans despised because the Judeans said, oh, those Jews in Nazareth, they hang out with the Gentiles. And the Gentiles are non-Jews, they're, they're unclean. So Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? She's just an ordinary girl. The Bible never says that we're to worship Mary. The Bible never tells us that Mary is sinless. It does tell us a good bit about her. It tells us really more about her in the pre-incarnate state than after the incarnation of Jesus. Mary was the only one there at the birth and the death of Jesus. She had courtside seats to his childhood, to his development. We, we really don't think about her that much. I mean, we don't really concentrate on her, but the, the, the big idea that I want you to get from Mary is the fact that Mary was used by God. Did you, did you hear what I said? Mary was used by God. Why her? Well, she was usable. She was available. And the, and the great news I have for you today is God wants to use you. Have you ever been used by God? Some of you are like going, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. There's nothing like it. Your dignity increases. Your self-esteem soars. You're like walking to the beat and marching to the beat of a different drummer. You have soul and spirit satisfaction when you're used by God. Mary is ordinary. Let me say that again. Mary is an ordinary girl, a teenager, just doing life. God, in his sovereignty, picked Mary. And we can learn from Mary. I mean, she's a central figure in the nativity scene. We can learn from her because she was greatly used by God. And the first thing I want you to see is Mary was humble before God. You want to be used by God? Why her? Humility. And, and what, is, what is humility? What is it? Well, this story unpacks it for us. I was talking to a friend of mine on this trip to Israel, and while we were eating together, Lisa and I, and we took our son EJ and his family, while we were stuffing our faces with pita bread and hummus and fresh vegetables, and hopefully you're turning to Luke chapter one while I'm telling you this story, he began to talk a little bit about Fellowship Church, and he began to tell us a story about being used by God. It was a very powerful story. And this guy's done a lot of stuff, a lot of things in front of a lot of people. And at the end of the story, tears were streaming down his face because he said, I don't know why, I really don't know how, 
but, but I said yes and I was pushed in an area at Fellowship Church and after I was pushed and did something, I was like, I've been used by God. And then he said, I told my story and I led some people in a prayer and I saw God move in a powerful way. There's nothing like being used by God. That's what Mary experienced and that's what God wants you and me to experience because as you read the Bible, and I've been going through the Old Testament and the New Testament, God's main, I mean, God's game plan, his, his vessels, his vehicles are human beings. God uses us. He wants to use us. And just the ability to be able to, to be used by God comes from God's ability to use us. Are you used? Are you being used by God? So, that sets the, the die for Luke chapter one, verse 28. An angel shows up to Mary. She's just hanging out in this town. Nothing good can come from Nazareth. An angel shows up, and this angel was probably the angel Gabriel. Gabriel made three appearances, and an interesting fact about Gabriel is that he always talked about Jesus every time, three times, read about it. He talked about Jesus. He didn't talk about Mary. I mean, yeah, he was talking to Mary, but it was about Jesus. Gabriel, he, he opens up to Mary by saying, greetings. Now I want you to think about that for a second. And I want you to think about when God, through the Old and New Testament, showed up and met with people. God's modus operandi the lion's share of the time is to meet us where we are in our, in our daily tasks. That, that's where God communicates. That's where God does his business. I, I thought that was so interesting. It's not like Mary was at some conference. It wasn't like, you know, she was a, a greeter or a parker at the, at the local temple, you know. It wasn't like she was reading some book or whatever. She was just doing life. And Gabriel shows up, and, and, and Gabriel, this angel, is, is in charge of communication. He's a, he's a messenger. Um, and, and, and it wasn't like he was following her on social media or anything. He just showed up and he said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. So all of a sudden, he's talking about the grace of God being highly favored. And then he's talking about the omnipresence of God. Those are two important doctrines. We're saved by grace through faith. That's, that's how we are followers of Christ. It's nothing we deserve. Just like Mary, uh, she was highly favored. You might read here in the original language, greatly graced. God is with you, Gabriel says. In our depravity, we need to remember that, don't we? I do. Because we forget, I mean, God's with me. God's with you. I don't care where you are. I don't care if you're a seeker. I don't care if you're a brand new believer. I don't care if you've walked with God for a long, long time like I have. God is with you. The omnipresence of God. So Gabriel shows up, is talking to this teenage girl, and, and in verses 29 and 30, it says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words. Read freaked out 
read like, oh, man, I'm about to lose it. So, so Gabriel says, don't be afraid. Now we're gonna find out when, when Gabriel showed up and, 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 talked to, and talked to the shepherds, he said the same thing. Hey, what's up? Don't be afraid. So I find it interesting that he said that because obviously that's the first emotion that someone deals with when they meet an angel. But, but I do want to just kind of talk about fear for a second because if we're humble before God, God, use me. God, I want you to use me. We're going to have to face some fear. Just like my friend in Israel, as he talked about how God has used him at fellowship, he talked about the fear. I didn't know what to say, Ed. I tried to say, no, 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 a staff member needs to do that. I don't feel really qualified <laughs> to do this, to lead in this realm. Don't you know, Mary felt the same way. She had a fear of changing. Here this girl was engaged, a Jewish girl from Nazareth, engaged to a carpenter, Joseph, a descendant of David, and she was probably 14 to 16 years old. That's some serious change. Can you imagine her? Because back in the day, if you were pregnant out of wedlock, some of the laws said that, that you should be killed. So can you imagine, because she gets pregnant by the Holy Spirit of God, and we'll talk about how that happened in a second. Can you imagine her sharing those words with her fiance? Hey, Joe, um, I'm pregnant. God is the father, and the baby inside me is the Messiah. Think about that. See, we don't think about that. We don't think about the reality, the ordinariness of Mary. Change, you have to face a fear of change. Also, too, I think she had to definitely face a fear of ridicule and critique. Whenever you do anything, and, 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 and young people, millennials, listen to me, you're not gonna be liked by everybody. And if you try to be liked by everybody, you're not gonna do jack in your life. You're gonna have haters. You're gonna have critics. That's okay. Swim with the swimmers. Stay away from the bottom feeders. Love everybody, but move where you're celebrated, not tolerated. God is gonna take care of the haters and the critics. And what's so difficult in our day is, back in the day, people used to could write anonymous letters or talk behind your back. Now, I can start some website or campaign about you. I can even go to the dark web and buy all of these bots and I can make you look like the worst human being ever created. That's, that's the world we live in. And that's just part of it, but you will get criticized when you say, God, I wanna be used by you. It's gonna happen. You're gonna suffer. I think too, she had to face the fear of inadequacy. I mean, why did God, why, why Mary? Oh, it must have been her education. No. It must have been her pedigree. Uh, well, she was a descendant of David, but from Nazareth? Well, it must have been her age, maturity. She was a teenager. 
So, so nothing really tells us, wow, I mean, she was something else. And, and I love Mary's reaction. She didn't say to Gabriel, oh, it's about time. You must have saw my post, that humble brag. Now I'm getting what I deserve. I'm no, 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 no. She didn't say that. She was humble before God. What is humility anyway? What is it? Humility is the constant realization of who you are, a sinner. What you have, nothing. And where you would be without God, nowhere. But, it's kind of like wah, wah, wah. That's true. That's reality. That's humility. When we humble ourselves, though, before the Lord, I mean, who, who, who am I then? I'm saved. I mean, I'm a child of God. What do I have? I mean, I have the power. I have Jesus inside my life, the Holy Spirit of God. Where am I going? Heaven. Forever and ever. So humility is saying, God, you know, I see myself before you. And, and, and I am nothing without you. I want to be available to you. I'll say it again, just your ability, just my ability has been given to you and given to me by God. Just the opportunity to be used has been given by God. And I think we, we chase so much things in, in the world and, and we have this desire to make a difference, to make an imprint, to make an indelible impression. It only really happens when we humble ourselves before God. So why her? The H would be humility. Hey, let's do an alliteration. Humility. Say humility. 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 Well, let's, let's continue. In verse 31, you'll conceive, don't you like this? Just matter of fact, Gabriel. Hey, Mary, by the way, you'll conceive and give birth to a son. Right there in your margin, the humanity, because we're talking about the virgin birth. Jesus did not have a sin nature. It's very, very important to understand that. It's one of the doctrines of Christianity, a doctrine of our faith, the virgin birth of Jesus. And, and Gabriel unpacks it. You'll conceive and give birth, that's the humanity, to a son. And you're to call him Jesus. He'll be great. And he'll be called the son of the most high. That's the deity. Fully God, fully man, the God man. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over David's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So his father was God. We have the immaterial, the spirit of God meeting the material, the womb of Mary. Jesus' father, he didn't get a sin nature because he did not have a sin nature from Adam. We have a sin nature because ultimately our father is Adam. Jesus' father was God. The Bible says the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary. 
And this, and this word overshadowed refers to the presence of God that, that is talked about in the tabernacle, the Holy of Holies, and the temple in the Holy of Holies. So the angel says, Mary, the Holy Spirit of God, God will overshadow you and you will birth a boy. His name will be Jesus, sinless. Let's keep reading. You'll conceive and give birth to a son, verse 31. You're to call him Jesus. He'll be great. And he'll be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he'll reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. This is what was prophesied. David knew this. And now we get the context for verse 34. Mary goes, how will this be? Don't you like that question? I mean, that's a great question. She's not doubting. She's not casting shade on Gabriel. She's like, how could this be? How could this be? I'm, I'm, I'm still a virgin. Verse 35, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. So we have there some serious theology. Already, we've talked about the omnipresence of God. Already, we've talked about the grace of God. Now we're talking about the virgin birth of Jesus, a miracle. So when it comes to miracles, I would say the virgin birth would be maybe a level four miracle. Level four. Uh, the resurrection is going to be level 10. I mean, as far as miracles go, that's just my opinion, you know. So if God can do a level 10 miracle, which he did, I mean, the virgin birth is a layup. I just, I just, I just thought you would appreciate that. Mary said, I'm the Lord's servant. That's what she said. So, so she's humble before God. Notice too, she's engaging. Told you I'd make this work. Why her? She's humble and she's engaging. She engaged in worship. I don't have time to get into it, but she worshiped God. She worshiped the Lord for, for who God is and for, for what God's doing and what God will do and how God has taken care of the Israelites, how we'll take care of us. She was a worshiper and she knew, she knew that everything in her life was about worship. And we've said this and we've talked about this so much here at Fellowship Church. Everything as a follower of Christ, we do say, touch and feel, should be an act of worship. Worship, worship. So we come to church worshiping. Again, let me talk about Israel. You know, I just spent a lot of time there and had these cool headphones when I flew over there. I thought I'd just bring it up again. You, you know, in the, in, the, in the book of Psalms, there's some Psalms of ascent. You'll see that. As you read your Bible, just thumb through the book of Psalms, you'll see Psalms of ascent. People would, would worship as they were ascending to the temple, they would recite these songs and acts of praise and adoration as they worshiped collectively in community in the temple. So as a follower of Christ, we should come to Fellowship Church worshiping. If you're not a follower of Christ, you're not gonna come to church worshiping, but you do worship. Everybody worships. It's just, who's the object? Who's the person? We're made for worship. We're made to have God as the king of our lives. We're made to have the Savior in our 
lives. The Savior was birthed. What is Jesus wanting to birth in your life? What's he doing in your life? Do you want to be used by him? Let me take a page out of my friend's playbook. God, I want to be usable. Take a page out of Mary's playbook. I want to be usable. The Bible tells us how to do this. The Bible, you know what the Bible is? The Bible is a telescope. That's what it is. It shows me another world out there. So when I look through it, wow, awesome, unbelievable. It's a telescope. But it's not to be just looked at. Hey, there's a telescope. <laughs> wow, nice telescope. Must be pretty expensive. It's to be used, right? We're to look through it. So as a follower of Christ, as I humble myself before the Lord, as I engage in worship, God gives me the ability to look through his word and see the big picture. Even though Mary, man, the girl was in crisis mode, she saw the big picture. The telescope. Hmm. I'm the Lord's servant, she said. And then she says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he's been mindful of the humble state of his servant. So I love that she was humble. Humility on one hand versus pride on the other. Are you prideful? Because if you're prideful, you're not going to really be used by God. And, and God does not spend a lot of time dealing with people who want to preserve the autonomy of their lives. He just doesn't. I remember about it was seven years ago, I was standing right down front. And a guy walked up to me, and I knew this guy somewhat, and in a worldly sense, he was pretty successful. And I said, hey, um, you need to get involved here at fellowship. You know, you have, you know, mad people skills, and you know what, you need to, you need to become a greeter. That'd be great. You could greet people. He looked at me and said, <laughs> no, no, I wanna, I wanna do something um, more important with, 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 with some more power here at fellowship. I'll never forget that. Because several years later, he, he bowed out. And I was thinking to myself, there's nothing as important as serving in the church, and there's nothing as important as being a greeter to see people and get to know people. He just could not get over his pride and say, God, use me. I want to humble myself before you. Oh, he was too cool, man, too big time. I want to have a more important position. God doesn't spend a lot of time with people who want to preserve the autonomy of their lives. I love that Mary was enthusiastic and engaged, don't you? She was not disinterested. She was enthusiastic. And this word enthusiastic, in theos, in God, when we're in God, we're enthused. We should be enthused, on point. 
So if you're a true follower of Christ, when you have an opportunity to be used, you go, I'm ready. How high do I jump? Where do you want me to go? That's how Mary rolled. And then I like how responsive she was. And this whole thing is about responsive. Instead of being apathetic, she was responsive. She said, I'm the Lord's servant, again, verse 38, and I'm willing to do whatever he wants. God wants to use you. You'll never use God. He'll use you, but you're not going to use him. Are you used by God? I mean, right now, are you, are you being used by God? It's his number one vehicle of pushing a ball downfield using ordinary people like you and me. Also, have you ever thought about what God wants to birth out of your life? On our flight back home from Israel to Dallas, we flew to London. It was supposed to be a five-hour flight. It was a six-hour flight, British Airways. I like British Airways. So we had a layover, and I had no idea Heathrow was as massive as it is in London, that airport. Unbelievable. And you know the airport's massive and confusing if Lisa gets lost. So we stayed at this hotel. It took us an hour, one hour, to go from one terminal to the next. We took a bus ride from hell, 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 hell. I'm not cussing when I said that. It's just, it was horrible. So we got up the next morning, and I'm thinking, okay, it's music time. And I'm thinking, like, I've got to, I mean, I've got to stay awake. It's at least a 10-hour flight back. And don't worry, guys, you can make it. It's worth it when you go to Israel. So, board the flight, take out the headphones, boom, hit my app, Spotify, turn on the headphones, nothing. I'm like, are you believing that? Nothing. So, I normally don't do this, I'm technologically challenged, I said to myself, I am going to pair these phones, and I mean this, this, this headphone with my iPhone. I'm going to pair it, and, and I am going to make these things work. I want to listen to music. So I worked and worked and worked and worked and worked, turned it off, turned it on, you know, messed with all the buttons, and this thing's supposed to be so cool and high-tech, the bows, and, and, and Lisa looks over at me. She goes, honey, what are you doing? I said, Lisa, these stupid headphones don't work. And I started blaming the guy at the store. That guy at the store, he probably didn't sync them up, pair them right, whatever. She goes, those are not your headphones. They're mine. And I looked. Mine were dark blue. Hers are black, sure enough. I had the wrong phones. But guess what I did? I went online at 35,000 feet and I read how to pair the Bose whatever Q35 twos with the iPhone 10. 
And I worked, and I worked, and I figured it out. Thank you. I paired the phones, Lisa's headphones, to my iPhone, and I used them. I listened to eight hours of music (laughs) while I was studying and doing. That's what I pretty much did the whole time. Isn't that great? Give me another round of applause because I can live off of applause for like four or five months. I'm a preacher. I'm very insecure. Are you synced up? Are you, are you paired with Jesus, with his word, with his purpose, with his power? If you're not, you're going to be very frustrated. I mean, you might have all the equipment and everything, but you're not going to be synced up. But if you are, if you're available, if you read the manual, which I read online, the instructions, you, my friend, will be used by God. Humility, enthusiasm, encouragement, engagement, and being responsive. Why her? That's the reason. Father, thank you for this time of worship. Thank you for this, our great church. Thank you for this nativity scene. I thank you for Mary. I pray, Lord, that those of us who have been sitting on the sidelines, those of us who have been maybe counting ceiling tiles and sort of shopping instead of buying, I pray that we would have the response of Mary. I thank you, God, that you use ordinary Marys, ordinary people, to do extraordinary things. And it begins with turning from our pride and humbling ourselves before you. It begins by being engaged and enthusiastic and realizing everything is an act of worship. It, it, It begins by being responsive to your call, to your plan, to your agenda, right where we are. So Lord, we thank you for this time. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.